Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. We're here with a big preview of round five of the AFL season. Uh, we're heading up to a quarter of the way through already. Gee, it goes quick. Uh, a lot going on in the early rounds too. We've uh, just had the big Easter weekend spread over what's had five days of football and that is followed up by the inaugural gather round and hasn't that had a lot of publicity um going to talk about that as i bring in uh my co-host a man who has gathered around all sorts <laughs> of football over the years I, I thought i'd come up with a better gag than that that was pretty hopeless <laughs> but uh, i'll see if he can have a crack uh very good morning to you rodney Ead. thanks very much rowan i don't think there's much uh, you can gag about that uh, that heading, is it? Gather round. Um, it's a bit cheesy, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit. I, <laughs> I've heard people say it's grown on them, but uh, so does mould. So I don't know. Whether <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, so, um, yeah, Listen, really the only reason, it, it, the only reason they're doing it is for money. Yeah, it's that's that's it. Uh, unlike, the, that's unlike the AFL, isn't it? Yeah, the government are paying the money and uh, they've got an extra round, so mm. obviously it helps the TV. Uh, what I found interesting, but I, I would have thought they'd have 22 rounds and then the extra round is you're playing a team that you've only played once, but there's two of the games in there, it's the only time the teams are playing each other, which yeah. is really, really weird. Um, well, there was another opportunity, anyway, it's uh, very strange. The way the draws worked out, it might have been better playing it in Melbourne anyway. Collingwood St Kilda, it's big games and 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 the Melbourne game as well. So yeah, anyway. well, fair bit of debate about that, and we will talk about that in our news segment. In fact, let's do that right now. On Footyology News Feed. Well, as we set off the top, Gather Round, uh, uh, borrowed from the NRL. I think they came up with the first. It was Magic Round for them. Uh, no doubt there's some American influence in there somewhere. Uh, Rocket News said very cynically off the top all about money. <laughs> but you're spot on. Of course, it's all about money. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts on it. I, I just don't really understand the rationale. I mean, if, if you go to these lengths as a promotional thing for the code, I'd think, okay, you, you play it in Western Sydney, you play it in the Gold Coast, you play it somewhere where league footy hasn't been before. We're playing it bloody Adelaide. It's not like they're foreign to the concept of AFL footy. Do you think a whole lot of people from Adelaide or South Australia are going to bump into one of these, you know, sort of side events and go, oh, Australian football. I've never heard of that before. Let's jump on board. So, yeah. uh, plus there's the factor and and this is what we're going to cop the parochialism calls about the uh Collingwood St Kilda and Eston Melbourne games have turned into fairly big ticket items are we missing out on the chance for crowds of you know 70 to 80,000 rather than who knows 40 to 50 well anyway you what what do you do you think it's worth doing uh what are your thoughts on the whole concept it's it's an interesting one uh as a as a <laughs> Umbrella view, yeah, it's probably got some merit as far as it'll generate a whole festival of, um, you know, in the town itself, in the city itself. And say it was held in Melbourne, it'd be fantastic. But I don't, the reason they're doing it is, is to promote footy. I don't think, I think that's a bit hollow. It's all about, it's all about the money because they've got an extra round. It's not, uh, it's like they're doing one of the 20 round 22 and they're going to do it in Sydney, which, 
maybe had some merit to promote. And then Adelaide had come over the top and obviously offered more money. So, okay, that sounds a good idea. We'll get another $5 million out of Adelaide or $6 million from Adelaide so or South Australia. Um, so yeah, You know what I find the funniest thing about it? The, and this is a hobby horse of mine too, this whole uh, issue of uh, the Fox footy commentary team not actually being at games outside Victoria. Well, they're actually deigning to turn up for this one and all of a sudden it's, it's, it's deemed... <laughs> Uh, publicity worthy. I saw, uh, I think Media Week put out a, a story about it with a cheesy shot of a team and, wow, the Fox footy crew are actually going to turn up in Adelaide where the game's <laughs> on rather than oh, yeah. do it out of a South Melbourne studio. Well done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Fox have been very poor at that. And uh, But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's uh, it, now it's going to be a, a strange feeling, isn't it, having all the games there and like we, and with all due respect, I know Nord have done their ground up, but Nord's ground is not at AFL standard. It'd be interesting to see what the Mount Barker ground is like. Um, well, the Mount Barker one, I, I could be wrong here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I had a look at the details, and the capacity is five thousand. So yeah, it's a brand um, new ground. It's a brand new ground in the in the Adelaide Hills, which is which is a nice. And they said that's sold out, but is it North Melbourne, Brisbane? Is that yeah. who are playing there? Yeah. So. But the Norwood ground is the Gold Coast Fremantle. Well, that probably should have been played in the Adelaide Hills. And the, yeah. and the Brisbane North Melbourne would be played in the city at, at Norwood because the North Melbourne Brisbane is going to attract a lot more uh, people if it's sold out of 5,000 people. But the other thing that it's really annoying, which is probably not the AFL's fault, but they would have known it would happen. As soon as the gather round was announced, airfares to Adelaide doubled in price overnight. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. people are going there are spending so much – Obviously, accommodation's gone up, so it's going to cost an arm and a leg for visitors to get there. So, um, yeah, so uh, anyway, there'll be a lot of people driving over, I'd imagine. But, uh, like, it'll be a good atmosphere in the city. Like, if it was here in Melbourne, it'd be a great atmosphere. There's no doubt that any other city would be alive, which it always is anyway with big crowds. Um, I can see the concept, but I think the AFL will need to take it to other venues, as you say, but I don't think they will because there won't be enough money. So I guess my other, um, not objection, I, look, I, I'm not that uh, rigidly against it, but my, my other sort of scepticism about it is that I think it creates more of this sort of event mentality where people are encouraged to follow a sport as an event, you know, an alternative means of entertainment, like going to the pictures or something like that. I, again, I'm a crusty old traditionalist. For me, you know, you go and watch the footy because you have this deep-seated emotional attachment to a team it's not like oh let's go to the pictures you know and oh i'm not enjoying this picture i.e my side's getting thrashed let's leave the game you know for me it's all about that sort of lifelong connection to a team born through family and and heritage uh, you know culture and history and that sort of stuff and i think uh the victorian side of the afl equation has lost that a bit because we only have a couple of venues now that everyone plays at all those points of difference have been lost. So I think we need to actually, sort of in, in, if anything, foster a bit more parochialism rather than less. Now, I tried to enunciate that in a thing for ESPN the other day, and, of course, all the non-Victorian people just went, oh, you're parochial Victorians. They don't want to see past the, the obvious. But do you understand the point I'm making there? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. You know, you, I mean, it's, say the... Uh... Uh, Essendon Melbourne game is, is there going to be the Melbourne based supporters travel over there or are they going to be uh, people who are just interested in footy are going yeah. to go so yeah. so and that's your point is it going to be the 
the parochial support at the game or is it just going to be the nice genteel English cricket lovers who go along and actually give it a clap for a nice goal and uh, so the atmosphere is lost a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Maybe Collingwood are going to have enough Collingwood supporters over there. Uh, um, I, I read something um, at the ticket sold. It was something like only 20% were Victorian. The bulk, oh, okay. of, it, the okay. bulk of it was uh, Adelaide or South mm. Australian. And, um, there's 10 or 12% was other other states. And I think there was a small international uh, contingent as well, like 150, 160 people or something. So it's not a lot of Victorians really is going to make up the crowd anyway. It's going to be 20%, 20% at most at, at some grounds. Well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong on this. I I'm, certainly don't have a marketing expertise and maybe, you know, this is a way that the game has to be sold now. But, uh, you know, I'm all for sort of fostering those connections. And I'm, primarily, I'm all for looking after the hardcore fans of the clubs involved. So, uh, like you say, let, let's see how many North Melbourne fans go to Mount Barker, for example. But... Um, time will tell. Look, the other point here is we've got an extra round out of a season. Ideally, we, we you know, we we want as close to an even draw as possible, don't we? I wonder, will we get a few more of these rounds? If there's enough money, I, I guess what I'm getting at here is, does it take money to make for a more even draw? You know, at what point do, does money cease to be the motivation for decisions that actually uh, affect the integrity of the competition. Shouldn't that be the primary aim anyway? Oh, there's no doubt for me. Um, I think the integrity of competition and uh, fairness and give everyone a chance. Um, I mean, the TV deal and the other sponsorships they've got is is monumental money. I know they probably caught up with the pandemic and they lost a bit and all that, et cetera, et cetera. But for an extra five million or eight million or ten million, what are they going to get? It's not a, a it's a it's not a big amount of money in the in the vast resources that they have. So um, hopefully it doesn't compromise the draw and uh, the fairness and the integrity of competition going forward. All right. Well, gather round. Certainly going to be an interesting exercise. <clears throat> Pardon me. Still a little bit crook. Yeah. Uh, all right. Time now to talk match review and tribunal. Um couple of big power forwards uh, having their cases successfully dismissed by the tribunal. I'm speaking, of course, about Harry Mackay and Tom Lynch. Harry Mackay uh, will be playing for the Blues on Thursday night against Adelaide. His one-match ban for striking Harry Sheasel was downgraded to a fine. Uh, Tom Lynch had a rough conduct charge uh, dropped. A uh, bit of a moot point for Tom, though, because he, of course, is out with a pretty nasty foot injury for up to a couple of months. So a bit ac academic in his case, but uh, generally speaking, Rocket, what do you think of these two decisions? Did the tribunal arrive at the right decision or uh, did the MRO have it right? Uh, I think on, those, on uh, my initial thought was probably the tribunal got the Harry Mackay one right. I think he didn't, if you're going to hurt someone with an elbow, you actually hit him with close to the elbow. Well, he sort of braced himself First contact was a shoulder. I think he was trying to minimise contact uh, once he realised. So, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that one. Tom's one at first, I thought he might be in a bit of trouble. Then once it's explained by the chairman of the tribunal, I can see their point. Uh, and it's good that they give the explanation. It's it's like the umpires. If the AFL allowed the umpires to explain 
certain decisions and what the thought process and at times admit that they got something wrong, everyone would be okay with that. I thought he mm. explained that well, that they believe that his eyes are on the ball all the time. So obviously they've they've looked at the vision very uh, forensically. And, and now he is a bit of a clumsy giraffe at times, uh, Tom. Mistimed his jump. Um, but and then braced himself to not um, actually make a, a meaningful contact. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with that one. Um, I I, I, f- I felt like Lynch. Um, he sort of got squeezed for room, didn't he? Like yeah. he, he he had Keith coming towards him. He had someone right behind him. I think it was was a Crozier. I think, and he sort of he had nowhere to sort of manipulate his body. Yeah. So yeah. contact was pretty inevitable, really. Yeah, and I and there certainly there was no intent for him to make contact with Keith and certainly not his head. So um, in hindsight, I think I think the tribunal got that one right. right. Well, I guess the uh, the more controversial one and the one there was a bit of disquiet about, and I'm inclined to agree, to be honest, were the uh, two sling tackles out of the Easter Monday game between Geelong and Hawthorne. Uh, one involved Will Day uh, for a sling tackle on Geelong's Brad Close. Now, he received two. A two-game penalty for that one. Gary Rowan of Geelong received a one-game ban for a sling cha- tackle on uh, Chankov Jath. Um, I reckon most people would look at those two incidents and say, gee, wasn't Rowan's on Jath a bit more dangerous and a bit less excusable than days on close? Now, uh, obviously, medical reports and what have you come into it, and whether it comes back to that thing about intent versus consequences. But I thought... Um, Day's tackle was far more in the one action rather than Rowan, who I thought had a little bit more, and we're talking split seconds here, but a tiny little bit more time to consider how firmly he dumped off Jaff to the ground. What do you think? Oh, no doubt. I I think his was a definite sling tackle, and he was lucky that contact was shoulder and not head. Um, uh, Day, I think, was a little bit stiff that, his actually dropped him to the ground. He didn't sling at all. You have mm. a look at it again. He was really just in the motion. So he's he's not a dangerous tackle. He ended up being dangerous because he pinned him, but he had minimal amount of time and unfortunately Close's head hit the ground. So I would have thought, as in the quality of tackle or the intent of the tackle, I thought Days was on a minor scale. He's probably had some impact on Close's health. Um, he's probably had a they've probably had to get checked or whatever the case may be. So maybe the medical uh, assessment from Geelong uh, was a bit more damning than what uh, than what Hearth, Hawthorne's was on CJ. So I think Day was a little bit stiff. I think they'll fight that. I think he can get that down to one. I wouldn't have been surprised with uh, the ability to cause injury that uh, Rowan got too. I, th- I would have thought the maybe the suspensions were the other way around. I think, I think Rowan, if he got him too, it'd be no qualms. But I think Day was a little bit unlucky. Um, I, th- I think it was probably a one-weeker. I, I couldn't agree more. And I know, you know, we don't want to talk. end up talking about this stuff every week, but this is where the balance between intent versus consequences is out of whack because, mm. uh, yeah, I, I'm not trying to minimise the results of a dangerous action, but sometimes it's just pure chance how badly someone gets injured. It's, it's the actual intent of the action that causes the injury that is the more important thing to be punishing. And if you look at the intent of these two, there's no doubt Rowan's intent is more malicious than Day's intent is, correct? Oh, there's no doubt about that. I don't think Day had an intent to hurt him. I think he just wrapped mm. him up. It was a minimum amount of time. He sort of fell 
with him. You know, it was a it was a forceful tackle, but it was forceful in just actually making him get to the ground. Um, I know, and there was a shorter distance. So um, if that had been a sling tackle on his head like he was, he'd be. I reckon. I reckon close. And he'd missed probably a couple of weeks with concussion. But he, I, yeah, I think he was a bit unlucky. I, I don't think it's worth two. No, no, we're uh, we're in agreement on that one. I think a lot of uh, people in the footy world probably are too. Uh, not the first, and certainly won't be the last time we're talking about the MRO and the tribunal this season. All right, there is enough news. Uh, as we told you, it is gather round. We're uh, well, we're not all. I'm not going. I don't know if you're going either, Rocket. But uh, a whole lot of the footy world. He's <laughs> off to Adelaide for a big round five of football. Nine big games. Let's preview them right now. On Footyology. Previews with Punch. Round five kicks off at Adelaide Oval. Surprise, surprise. With the Crows taking on Carlton. Thursday evening, 7.40pm. Now, all these times we're going to give you our Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if you're in Adelaide, just deduct half an hour. You know how it works. Um, big game this one. Adelaide's starting to look pretty promising. Uh, they've had some some really improved form. But the Blues, unbeaten as yet. Uh, their best start to a season since 1995, and we know what happened then. Well, Carlton Spores know what happened then. That was their last premiership. Last five meetings between these two clubs, the scoreline is 3-2, the Blues way. Uh, one interesting set, though, Rocket, and not a very comforting one for Carlton supporters. They are yet to win at Adelaide Oval. The scoreline is 0-6 and six for the Blues against both the Crows and Port Adelaide. And those six defeats have uh, included a few thumpings, uh, margins including 55, 90, 95, and 103 points. Uh, some injury news and personnel stuff to go through in a sec, but uh, what are your initial thoughts on this matchup? My initial thoughts is that Adelaide look very impressive, uh, playing some really good football. There, we, you know, we spoke early in the season about worry about their midfield, uh, but some of the youngsters have uh, helped helped uh, fill that breach. You know, obviously Rochelle's kicking his goals. Rankin goes in there a little bit. Um, uh, obviously, Laird's still a good player. Sloan's back. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I think they play some exciting footy, and uh, I'm going to go with my gut feel on this. One. I reckon I reckon the Crows with the with the home crowd support. I reckon they can win this one. I, I think Carlton have looked okay but they haven't looked totally convincing yet. Yeah, and no, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Let's talk about personnel because the Crows are pretty handily placed in terms of availability. Darcy Fogarty, he's had a knee injury um, and uh, it'll all come down to, well, we're recording this Wednesday morning. I think today's the the big session for the Crows <clears throat> in the lead up to tomorrow, the Thursday night game. So that'll determine whether he plays. Apart from that, though, um, they're very well placed. Not so much the Blues and some more bad news for them. And uh, Sam Doherty missing for up to six weeks after having surgery to repair a torn meniscus. Boy, as he had some bad luck over recent times. Uh, and we wish him a speedy return from that. Um, in other news to them, Walsh, well, uh, expected to be available this week. That one's been a long time coming. He will be a valuable Inclusion for them. Ditto, Matt Kennedy, who's had a calf injury. 
Uh, Jack Martin, another one. I always think they look a, a better team with him in the mix, so he's expected to be available as well. And uh, Mitch McGovern, he trained fully or has trained fully in the lead-up so far. He's had a thigh injury and uh, probably should be available as well. Still a pretty longish injury list for the Blues, but um, some uh, big names there, Rocket, particularly midfield, and and this is their big chance, I guess, to uh, lord it over the Crows in this one. Uh, midfield supremacy, would, wouldn't you agree? Oh, for sure. I think that's where they've got their, you know, the asset, especially with Walsh back. But you can't expect a lot, even though he's very professional and he's a terrific player, you can't expect big things from him first up. Um, Kennedy will help in there. Obviously, Hewitt's a good player. Cripps is a good player. So they've they've certainly got the advantage there. It'll be interesting to see how Adelaide's set up. Do they sit on one of them? Um, Do they just back themselves? Uh, The other two issues are going to be Kurnow and Mackay. with their defence to be able to hang on to those guys. But if Adelaide get enough of the ball, their forward line's exciting. Um, Walker was the one last week, kicked goals, but Rankin, Rochelle, um, obviously uh, Phil Thorpe is. So they've got they've got some talent up there. You know, McAdam. So they they can really kick some goals. And do we and they, do we think do we think Carlton's defence is a big enough, but b deep enough to counter that forward setup? No, the Weezering's probably the one. Uh, I must admit, Lewis Young's had a reasonably good season so far, so he he's been a surprise packet and done really well. Um, so uh, they would bank those two on two of the guys, um, and then mm-hmm. and then probably play a little bit undersized and not be not be too stressed about it. So their their defence has held up pretty well. I think they've defended really well, Carlton. That, that's probably been the thing that's kept them in games. And the midfield they. They've kicked inaccurately. They're probably the most inaccurate team in the competition. Harry Mackay still hasn't got rid of the yips. Um, so that's that's their big issue. Um, but uh, I think at home, um, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Crows. Yeah, just quickly on Lewis Young. He's a great um, reader of play, isn't he? Uh, really yeah, it's, good intercept defender. But it's interesting how the Bulldogs who struggled for tall defenders and they kept playing him in the ruck mm. as their backup ruckman and, and they've let a good player go who would have been exceptionally good player. They wouldn't need it to recruit uh, guys from outside um, who were tall defenders. And um, so, yeah, yeah, he's become a really good player. So um, hopefully for him, he can keep his form up. All right. So uh, you're going with the home side here to kick off gather round uh, margin for the 11 price? points. 11, 11 points. points. All right. Uh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to stick with the Blues. I was 50-50 on this, but I think uh, those uh, returnees for Carlton – might just tip that midfield balance their way. And I think that's where most games are won or lost. So I'm going for the Blues. Similarly narrow margin, though, 10 points for me. That is Thursday night. Uh, We've got a pretty um, interesting-looking Friday night card with two games on the agenda at two local Adelaide venues. Let's have a chat about them. Hey guys, if you like the Footyology podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney Ede, you'll like the ESPN Footy podcast with myself, Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels and champion data's Christian Jolly as we break down all the big storylines in the AFL. The second game in round five and the first of a Friday night double. Boy, this is going to sound a bit bizarre saying this. 5.10pm at Norwood Oval sees Fremantle taking on Gold Coast. Now, very quickly, Rocket, I, I've been dying to ask you this one. Uh, you made your debut in 1976, and those of us of uh, our 
ancient dinosauric vintage might remember the old, old, old night series being played midweek at Norwood Oval between Victorian teams and interstate teams. Did, did you play in those games? I did. I got my first opportunity. I didn't play in the ones per se on the VFL till round 16 or 17. So with the night series, I got my opportunity playing in Norwood. So I used to fly over Tuesday morning and play. We played Glenelg, I remember once, and I can't remember. I might have even played Norwood. We got to the grand final. We played North Melbourne, who were in the other side of the draw. So we played North Melbourne. In, in those days, it was called the night series, night, night, night grand final. So we played uh, North in the night grand final and the day grand final. So um, obviously two teams that were very evenly matched. So it was funny going for to play a Victorian team in Adelaide um, and playing at Norwood Oval. So it was very strange oval, very uh, very narrow, um, short as the SCG, but uh, a lot more narrow than the SCG. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys cope with it. Guess we're getting old, aren't we? Just thinking about that stuff. I was going to say, it seems like another century. Well, it was another century. <laughs> well, it's a long time ago. What's that? It's 47 years ago. I know. So. I know. Time marches on. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this game in 2023. Uh, both the Dockers and Suns been very disappointing so far. Fremantle, they're both one and three. Fremantle 14th. Gold Coast 17th. Um, a lot more particularly expected of the Dockers, who, of course, were finals last year. Gold Coast record against Fremantle, pretty ordinary. They've only won three. They've lost eight. The Suns, however, have won three of the last four meetings against the Dockers. Uh, geez, both of these teams desperate for a win. Rocket, what do you reckon is going to happen here? Oh, gee, Fremantle, haven't they been so disappointing? Even the game they won against West Coast, they were only just in front early into the last quarter before West Coast lost their four players. So their form line's been terrible. Um, I would think I'm leaning towards the Gold Coast because of the size of the ground. I know Fremantle really are up against it and have to win. Um, I suppose I suppose the Suns do as well, but Fremantle will be touted as a fine late side. Um, but I just think the smaller ground with... Raul and Miller, uh, Wits will be back. I just think they can get an advantage with those guys who are a little bit tougher um, in tight. Uh, so I, I know that people say the Gold Coast needed on the outside, and but I, I I don't agree with that. I think they'll make mistakes, but with a smaller ground, the mistakes will be okay because you'll have enough players around to support that. I I just I just feel the Fremantle Dockers are flaky at the moment. Um, uh, Brayshaw had a good game last week with 31 disposals, but he got about 12 of them in the last quarter. Mm. Um, he's been down, really, to what his normal standard is. Sarong's been okay, uh, but w- where else have they got any midfield? Um, I mean, omira has got 20-odd possessions last week, or 19. Hughes, that's Jordan Clark's not doing a lot. Um Sean Darcy's not really been dominating as a ruckman. Um, so they, they're really, and they're struggling up forward. They just can't well, get well, enough goals. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you talk two things. You said they're flaky at the moment. They've been flaky for how many years? 27 years since they, 28 years since they came into the competition. And scoring. I mean, that has historically been their issue, and it's still an issue. Um And, you know, the likes of Matt Taverner. I mean, how many years have we been talking about Matt Taverner? always? Oh, He's coming of age, you know. Now, um, speaking of Matt Taverner, he's had a reported back soreness after the loss to Adelaide last week um, and been sent home because the Dockers staying on there. Uh, they're hopeful it's not serious back injuries, uh, back issues that he experienced um, last year. 
but uh, shocking problems kicking a score. The other issue is if you're talking about big bodies and midfield or whatever, I think the weather is supposed to be fairly ordinary in Adelaide over the next few days. So that could be a factor as well. Um, Let's talk about Gold Coast on the injury front. Jed Anderson, uh, another three weeks out for him with a hamstring injury. Uh, Sam Flanders, uh, knee injury, uh, five weeks away. Jared Witts is the big one there. Um, Stuart Dew, fairly non-committal after the St Kilda game about uh, how sore he was. Um, But, yeah, he's the big in. In fact, he's... Presence or absence that almost dictate who you tipped. Oh, it? there's no doubt. If it's interesting to club speak and being a coach, you would say even if he was 70% chance of playing, you say, I don't know which will play next week. If he's non committal, there must be some real doubt about it. And saying soreness, I mean, soreness is garbage. It's, it's a soft tissue, if that's the case. Um, and that's, I agree with you. I'm starting to think if which doesn't play, I'll pick Fremantle. I think Darcy can dominate. Um, but if Witch is there, he's he's their most important player. He's not their best player, but he's their most important player. He feeds Miller and Anderson and Rao. He he leads from the front. Such a big imposing, and he gets his hand to the ball. He doesn't get a lot of possessions, but if he doesn't play, I, I will pick Fremantle. So I suppose we're going to have to be Nostradamus and see whether he's going to be selected or not. Well, I reckon you'd have a better understanding of coach speak, i.e. lies, um, than most, most people on the coaching front. So you're going to go for Freo? Uh, I will on that on the basis of that, yes. I'll change my to Freo. I was going to go Gold Coast, but uh, if Witch doesn't play, I don't think they can win. All right, give us a margin. Uh, 17 points. Okay. Um, I'm ditto. I am going for Fremantle as well. Uh, 18 points. I'm having trouble getting my head around this game, to be honest. Fremantle playing Gold Coast Friday night, 5.10pm, at Norwood Oval. So, Rockets, let's just say you were, you know, a big fan of AFL footy and you got fired into the sun in a cannon in about 1993 to return now. And you saw that as the first game on the menu for round five. Two sides that you'd never heard of on a Friday afternoon at Norwood Oval. You'd think everyone would gone mad, wouldn't you? Takes me back to yes, you would. It take me back to Robert Walls' story when he's coaching the Bears that uh, given free tickets away at McDonald's and all this to, to get people to the game. So this might be one <laughs> down at Norwood. I don't think Norwood have a McDonald's. So I think it would be up a bit up market at Norwood. But uh, I think uh, there'll be there'll be maybe some free tickets for people to be able to get into the ground. I think. Do you think they'll use that line? Uh, what time does it start? What time can you get there? <laughs> That's exactly. Or lock the gates to keep everyone in once they. <laughs> Get him in there. <laughs> boom, boom. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on. Of course, I mentioned two games on Friday night. Uh, now, this one, uh, we can't uh, crack hardy about this one because this one is very serious business. Second game on the Friday evening agenda is 8.10 Eastern Standard Time at Adelaide Oval. It's between Richmond and Sydney. Uh, both losers last week. Uh, both uh, pretty ordinary uh, overall this season, you'd say. Their last 12 clashes have been over 10 seasons since 2013. They don't play each other, each other a lot, those two. The scoreline in those 12 clashes is 6-6, six, six, so pretty even. And there have been games that have uh, tended to be close to six of those 12 games decided by just 11 points or less. Uh, what about both of these sides at the venue, Adelaide Oval? Well, Richmond are eight 
wins and 10 losses. So they have won four of their last six there. Sydney are five and five and have lost five of their last seven there. Injuries, a big factor for both teams, which we'll talk about shortly. But, uh, well, Rocket, Richmond just went under last week. Uh, the Swans just went under or on the siren, basically, with that shot from Ollie Florent against Port Adelaide. Uh, one of them needs to find a couple more goals and a badly needed win. What's going to happen in this one, do you think? Yeah, it's interesting uh, to, uh, with Richmond's injuries. Last week, I, I felt they played reasonably well, but at times when a wet night, I know they wanted to handball and go forward, but they ran themselves into trouble and overpossessed the ball and gave the dogs the chance to win the game. I think as much Richmond lost that game. Um, so I think they showed some promise, but now with Lynch out and then Curvis out, I... I think Richmond will change their style. I think it's backs against the wall stuff. It's the old us against them mentality. Uh, do they tag? Do they shut it down? Uh, make it a scrap? Now, the weather's going to be an interesting one too. Uh, we haven't mentioned that with the gather round. That looks like there could be rain. I'm playing six games at Adelaide Oval with rain. I'll be interested to see how the ground holds up by Sunday. Uh, uh, but I, my initial thoughts is that Sydney will win this. I think uh, they'll be smart. I know they've got a, a couple of tall uh, defenders out, uh, the McCartan brothers. Um, but there's not much else other than Lynch who can take a mark uh, for Richmond. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue. So I think uh, with Sydney in the spot they're in, uh, they wouldn't have predicted they'd be two and two. They should have won that last week. Should, they should be three and one. So that's a, it's one they've let get away. And I just think the mindset and what they need to get, I think they'll have too much talent for the Tigers. Incidentally, I've just got to ask you, having uh, we've seen that footage of Florence kick for goal and uh, the lack of pressure by the Sydney guys on the goal line, you would have handled that pretty calmly after that, had uh, Callum Mills run away and or whatever under your watch. But what about Buddy? Did you see Buddy push that bloke in the back? Yeah. It should have been a free kick against Buddy Franklin yeah. on the line. Yeah. So, yeah. so really, if the umpire was doing his job, but anyway, it didn't make it, so it wasn't an issue. But those sort of things you got to you got to prepare and train for. And Aliyah Aliyah was so smart, like having having the run up, and they needed someone next to him just to block his run. He's such a, a an athletic player. So um, obviously, um, the Swans players put their brains into neutral and put it in their kit bag and forgot to use it. So. Uh, it cost them a, well it probably didn't cost them a game because it probably wouldn't have gone over the line but uh anyway but um it, it it shows it's a game of inches isn't it and oh, yeah. if you prepare and practice those scenarios can really help players under under pressure you know the bit i can't get over is ollie florent of course thinks it's a goal and he's thrown himself back on the ground i, I can't remember who was the player who jumped on top of him but as soon as it became apparent it wasn't a goal, whoever it was that jumped on top of him thought, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to appear on Funniest I think it was Home Robottom, videos. was it? Was it Robottom? Uh, my, he said, I, I don't want to be on Funniest Home Videos for the rest <laughs> yeah. of my life. And Ollie France just got, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Bad look, bad look. All right. Anyway, sorry. That's last week's game. I just had to ask you about it. Um, that is a shocking injury list to Richmond. 14 players on that list. Um, Tarrant injured again in the VFL. I guess you're starting to wonder, are yeah, he's we gone? He's yeah, gone. Are, are we going to see him back? And well, yeah. there's, there's your thoughts on that one. Yeah, yeah. Lynch, obviously, a, a massive loss. Um, I don't know. I, I can't, look, as you know, I'm a big believer in the Tigers. I think, can they sort of cobble together 
a forward setup that works. I, I go back to 2017 when Rewalt was pretty much the only tall and I had a, an army of pressure forwards. Now, I know he's not what he was, so it's a bit more dire, but I think the principle remains the same. And the one guy, I keep mentioning him, and he's in the VFL at the moment, but the one guy I think can really make a difference for them in terms of that is Morris Rioli Jr. I think he had a pretty profound effect on, on their footy when he came into the mix last year. The other thing I hang my hat on a little bit here is they could have pinched that game last week and full credit to the Bulldogs for getting the win. But I think the most dynamic football in that match was played by the Tigers in that second quarter, eight goals to two or whatever it was. So if I could just keep that sort of happening for longer periods, I wouldn't be dismissing them entirely and just hang in there long enough to get Lynch back into the mix and, and get back on track. Anyway, I'll... I, uh, as as you know, Rocket, once I jump on a bandwagon, it's pretty hard to dislodge me. So um, hopefully the Tigers can turn things around. Uh, to that end, well, I'm going to show a bit of faith here. I reckon they were pretty close to the mark. And look, one win from four games, but their form actually hasn't been that terrible. I mean, they, they've drawn with Carlton, which is better than anyone else's push for boys. They pushed Collingwood to within a kick and a half with five minutes left, and they've lost by a kick to the Bulldogs. So... Not playing terribly, um, personnel is the issue, but we've seen them have these backs-to-the-wall wins in Adelaide before with personnel out. I reckon they can uh, channel the spirit of those previous premiership sides and and do it again. I'm going to go for Richmond to win this one by the barest of margins, <coughs> two points. What do you reckon? No, no, I'm for City. I, I'm, I wasn't a rep for Richmond at the start of the year. I didn't think they'd make the eight even with their best side in. Um, they, you know, they've played some enterprising footy. I think their defensive actions is not, not as good as it used to be. I think that's where they get hurt. I think they get scored against. Uh, they're not as solid. I think Asprey is a big loss for them down there. Uh, Broad's not playing, so they haven't got that sort of, I suppose, solidity down and back. Um, their midfield, I don't think Taranto... He, he's been playing well, Taranto, but the expectations on him are higher than what he's delivering, but he's playing well. Hopper is is just so-so at the moment. So they mm. and they got smashed last week in the middle. They got they absolutely belted mm. with stoppages and clearances. So for me, I think it's Sydney and I think I think they can win reasonably easily. And I think the Swans will win by 27. Oh, confident. Actually that you just touch on a good point there too. They are having to generate most of their scoring from the back half, aren't they? Although yeah. my memory is they've never been a terrific clearance side even when they were winning flags. No, no, they weren't, and that's why they've that's why they've gone after Taranto and uh, Hopper. Mm. Um, but Dusty was playing in the middle a fair bit then. No, they're just playing him forward. Whether they've got to put him back back in, Bolton last year played a bit more in the midfield than he is at the moment, and was quite a live wire there. They're trying to give time to Hopper and Taranto, but I think it's making them slow. To be honest, um, mm. I think Presti is their main midfielder. Um, he forms okay, but he's not super quick now. Do you know he's thirty one? You play the three of them in there, they're not an overly quick, and they just Hopper and especially Toronto are just hack kicks forward. They just get the ball, they're accumulators, but they don't, they're not hurting sides with their disposal. No, all valid points. Uh, certainly uh, not the power side that they were back in the premiership years. So, uh, uh, Rodney Eid going for Sydney by 27 points. I'm going for Richmond in a little bit of an upset. By two points. All right, uh, that is Thursday and Friday evening. Uh, let's move on to Saturday in this round five gather round. 
Well, talk about the changing face of football. We have Saturday afternoon, Mount Barker in the Adelaide Hills, 1.10pm, Brisbane taking on North Melbourne. Interesting concept. Brisbane, uh, they have won their last five against the Kangaroos. North Melbourne won the six clashes uh, between these two teams before that. Last time they met, though, it was an absolute thumping all the way back to round three last season at the Gabba. Brisbane beat the Roos by 108 points, and that really was the uh, beginning of the end for David Noble. In fact, it was after that game, I think he had to apologise to the players for giving him a bake and going in a little bit too hard. Uh, these sides, uh, well, you'd probably say North Melbourne. If you're a North Melbourne person, you're reasonably okay with how they've been. Two and two, they're in ninth spot on the ladder. Brisbane, probably a little bit disappointed overall. They are also two and two and in eighth spot. So a good chance for both these sides to uh, keep their winning form going and uh, move into the eight or, in Brisbane's case, uh, shore up their spot in the eight. Can't say a lot about the venue, uh, Rocket. Uh, I don't think – well, you said it's a new ground too, so it's uh, a lot of new territory being explored in this game. Uh, who does that favour? Uh, no idea. <laughs> well, I don't, know the, don't even know the dimensions of the ground. It might be a country ground where the cars drive in and toot the horns, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see what it what it's like. Um, can, I, can I just say it's so refreshing to hear someone in football say they have no idea about something rather than bluff their way the through absolute certainty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah, I don't know uh, who it, it should suit. Um, you would think that Brisbane have got to win this. I mean, <laughs> if Brisbane don't win this game. It shows, you talk about flaky with Fremantle, it shows that they're flaky and they can only win at home. It's just, it's just, uh, no, they just need to win this game and they need to put it away. If they're, if they're going to be a top four side, they just need to put these games away and be able to do that. North Melbourne, I thought, showed showed a fair bit last week. Um, they made a lot of mistakes and made a lot of unforced errors. Uh, they won a lot of, key, uh, of the KPIs. I thought they were impressive what they were able to do against Carlton. Um, they just weren't able to, kick enough score, uh, made the mistakes at the wrong time, got scored on turnover. And, and that's going to happen with a younger side and some newer players. So um, I think they've, I think they're showing a bit. I, th- I don't think it'll be a belting um, like it has been in the past, but I, I still think that Brisbane should be able to get the chocolates on this one. So what is the, I mean, I watched that game pretty closely on Good Friday. What is the missing link for the Roos at the moment? It didn't help. Uh, Nick Larkey got a, a yeah. pretty heavy knock early on and was clearly compromised. They're very um, Larkey-dependent, aren't they, in terms of converting those opportunities? Yeah, they're him and Zerha. Zerha shows a bit. Um, obviously, he's got the bit of Dugowie, hasn't he, with that explosiveness. And uh, he does like going for the big sticks, though. He doesn't like feeding up at all. He's, he's, got, the, he's got the forward mentality with that. Um, I think what they're missing is hitting their targets at the right times. You know, they 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 do possess the ball, which is a bit like what Hawthorne are doing. Um, but with that and uh, with young and experienced players and maybe some guys that aren't are super talented, they, they are going to turn it over. So they, they do turn it over. I think they set up pretty well defensively behind the ball. Most of the time they're able to defend that turnover, but 
they were scored against. Um, I thought they tried to generate play more than what Carlton did. Uh, but it was just Kernow at the right time and some players for Carlton were able to get them over the line. So I, I was reasonably impressed with them. Uh, obviously, Uniac's a really good player. Simpkins a good player. Shears has been really good off half-back. So they've got some real talent there. And those players are only young, so it's only good for their future. Phillips looks like he's going to be a player. Um, they just need some some taller. Where they're really vulnerable is their height and defence. So I just mm. watched their tall defenders. I know Mackay's out. But once the ball went in the air, they had no idea. The ball got over the back a lot. They didn't spoil it forward. They really looked vulnerable once the ball got close to the goal square. And, and they and that, and I would have thought that Carlton got a lot of their goals within 15, 20 metres of goal, uh, which shows that they're really vulnerable. Well, you mentioned uh, Ben Mackay. He's actually a chance to come back this week. Uh, we'll have to pass a fitness test on Thursday. Um, he's had a foot injury, of course. I, I guess, would you throw him straight into the mix? I guess North aren't in a position to be sort of easing key defenders back into the mix, are they? Uh it, it would it would depend on how much work he's done and how his body is. Mm. Um, you, you don't want to throw him in with a chance of him breaking down. So, does he need a week of playing in the VFL just to just to get the muscles right? Um, that's that's the decision they'll make. But it'd be a, it, it'd be folly to throw him in just for the sake that we are desperate uh, for have a player in that in that position. But his body's not quite right, and he does a calf or does a hamstring. Uh, just on Brisbane too, one thing going in their favour, they've probably got the shortest injury list in the AFL at the moment. Just two guys officially listed at the moment, uh, Carter Michaels, one of them, and Daniel Rich, the other one. And uh, Rich is probably just about ready to come back from a quad injury. So another plus for them. So personnel-wise, they're looking pretty good. I've got, since you mentioned um, Cameron Zerhar and Jordan Dugowie, I've got that comparison going through my head, and all I can see is the tattoos. And the very, <laughs> very different tattoo styles. Like Jordan Dugowie, his artwork's sort of like Leonardo da Vinci. It's quite classical, whereas Cameron Zerhar has gone the Tom Liberatore cartoon-esque tattoo style. It's like Mac Groening's drawn them for The <laughs> Simpsons or something. I don't, I don't, I don't get the, the whole tattoo thing. I mean, well, well some guys, it, it's they're very serious about it. Others, it's like a... It's ad hoc, isn't it? It's ad hoc. I just like that, so I'll just throw it on anyway. Yeah, it's got exactly. nothing to do with anything else. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't oh, I think I think the Dagoe and these people seem to have a bit of symmetry, don't they? They sort of uh, link it in or got colours at the right spot. More but, classical, yeah. classical tattoo work. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's uh, enough of my stupidity. Let's uh, get to your tip on this one. Well, I think uh, I think Brisbane have got to win this. Um, they played really well last week, and they've got to maintain that. Uh, that intensity around the ball, um, and they moved the ball really quickly and gave their they gave their forwards an opportunity. So, I think against North, uh, if their pressure's up, if their pressure's not there, North can hurt them. So it really depends on Brisbane's mindset. But I think Brisbane should be able to win by thirty-one points. Thirty-one points, uh, yeah, very similar margin for me too. I, I think five goals will just about see it out. No doubt North's effort's good, and they're on the right track. So if I was a North person, I'd be pretty encouraged about how things are going. But Brisbane, clearly superior in terms of talent and experience. They get the job done for mine by 32 points. All right, that is uh, Adelaide Hills, Mount Barker. And uh, just after that's finished, we turn our attention back to Adelaide Oval. For 10pm Adelaide Oval Eastern Standard Time sees a very big game indeed, perhaps unexpectedly. Essendon 
three and one at the moment, the Bombers. And in fourth spot on the ladder, take on Melbourne, who are also three and one, and in third spot on the ladder. Uh, how do these two shape up against each other? Well, Melbourne been pretty dominant, as you'd probably expect in recent times. They've won five of the last six meetings against Essendon. Uh, a lot of these uh, meetings have been reasonably close. Uh, the last nine meetings between these two sides, seven of them have been decided by 29 points or less. Uh, what about both sides at the venue, Adelaide Oval? Essendon's record there is five wins and six losses. Melbourne played there a fair bit more. They've won 10 games there and five losses. And the Demons have won seven of their last eight at the ground, including a final. Remember, of course, they beat uh, Brisbane in the 2021 qualifying final on their way to that long-awaited premiership. Well, uh, Melbourne just cranking up the uh, the form rocket, starting to look pretty good indeed. And Essendon, well, yeah, look, they're not outstanding, but uh, they're doing enough to win. They're certainly showing uh, a greater maturity, I feel, in 2023. Do you give them any chance here? Yeah, I give them some chance, but I, I, I think you're right. I think they've they've made progress. They're playing like a professional footy side. That they're making they're they're harder to play against, and that's probably probably the issue. Where at, in past in times past they've looked okay when they've had the ball at times, but they just didn't defend, and teams can sieve them really easily. So I think they're still on a, a learning curve and still a development curve. I think there's some good signs for them. Um, I thought it was a, a very mature win last week. I picked the Giants. I was, you know, very disappointed in what they were able to deliver, but full credit to Essendon. Um, Melbourne, yeah, starting to crank final. I thought their second half was a lot better last last week. I thought their first half against West Coast. If I was a Melbourne coach, coaching staff, I was disappointed with what they were able to deliver. They allowed West Coast too easily to uh, transfer the ball from end to end. They weren't... They weren't their normal self in their pressure. They looked okay when they got the ball, but they they really just preyed on turnovers. They didn't generate enough, except for Oliver. They didn't generate enough of the ball themselves. They got their goals easy because of the because uh, of West Coast having so many players out, and you know they've got a young side. Um, I, I thought West Coast were quite impressive the first half last week, but Melbourne did what they had to do. Um, they've got some talent everywhere. They're getting players back into form. Playing against uh, an old foe um, in the Bombers, I think will bring the best out of them and and I can see them winning. Well, personnel-wise, things are on the up for them too. Uh, Ben Brown, um, he's got to prove his fitness to face the Bombers. Uh, Max Gorn, though, is back running after his knee injury and uh, two to four weeks, the prognosis on him. Christian Salem is the longest-term one there and he's still about uh, anywhere between four to six weeks for him after a knee injury. Um, he's uh, he's had a pretty tough run of it, Christian Salem, so they'll be keen to see him back. Essendon, uh, it's more about where the injuries are for Essendon at the moment. Now, Sam Wiedemann concussion last week, that could be particularly costly this week, of course, up against his old side, but he won't be there. Uh, already without Peter Wright, the Bombers, and, uh, well, a bit of a forgotten man, James Stewart. I saw him on the injury list and thought, Hang on, didn't Jimmy Stewart die some time ago? No, that was the actor. But uh, I'll tell you what, the actor made more appearances in red and black than the footballer does. He just He's just perpetually injured. So, look, personnel-wise, um, I just think with the Bombers, where are the goals going to come from? They're going to have to concoct uh, a winning score there somehow. One change I'm almost certain will happen is Ben Hobbs 
coming in now. He's young and he's re- still relatively inexperienced, but he's a tough, tough cookie. And obviously against Melbourne's midfield rocket, you need strong bodies and, and guys who are going to win their share of contested ball. The other one that might come in, speaking about concocting some goals, is Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, who uh, played in the VFL and got through that okay. He's had a thigh injury. So they're two likely ins for me, but... Um, I think that's going to be the the issue for the Bombers up forward, just kicking enough goals against what is still clearly for mine the best defence in the competition. Yeah, I you know, totally agree with that. And I think Melbourne have got an advantage in the midfield, even though Merritt and Parrish are good players. I think, I'm, you know, no, we know Oliver's a star, but Tracker didn't play a lot in there last week, kicked his three goals going forward, but he's another one that goes in there. So they're Viney, so they've got some real talent going through the midfield. Their wings are pretty strong. So I just think they'll have enough enough uh, access of the ball there forwards by by their midfield. Um, I think they'll generate enough enough ball. So I can't see the Mel- I can't see Melbourne losing this one. Essendon would be encouraged, however, uh, by the form of that midfield last week. Uh, Merritt and Parrish both terrific. The other guy is having a pretty good season, not necessarily getting kudos for it. Dylan Shield. Um, yep. He's copped yep. a, a bit of flack over the journey, but he's been pretty good for the Bombers this year, and I thought he was particularly good last week. So. Yeah. Uh, you, you throw Hobbs into that mix and then, you know, the likes of Perkins and a few others going through there, it's still, it's a tall, tall order going up against Oliver Petrarca. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think the thing with Dylan Shew and a few players, what Brad Scott, what I think from the outside, is he's made clarity in their roles. This is what I expect from you. Uh, so Shew seemed to be running around doing his own thing in the past, even Parrish to a degree and chasing the ball and kicking up the chimney and doing whatever, uh, but they seem to have clarity in their role and that, I think that's making them better footballers. So they're defending better. They know where they've got to go, where they're defending. But also when they get the ball, they seem a lot more uh, efficient with the ball um, and, and a bit more direct. So so I think that's improved a lot of their players. Um, but I think ultimately, it's about consistency of effort, isn't it? I think yeah. Brad Scott's mantra almost when he came into that job was, yeah, you know, just getting this whole club more consistent on a week-to-week basis, and that at least is happening. Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And and they're seeing, and you know, the, now they've won three of the four games, so it's got to give the players confidence. Um, now that's the best recipe or the best uh, uh, result is to to have have the games that you win. So you know, obviously enforces confidence. All right, that's the buttering up. We're still both tipping Melbourne, though. I can tell your uh, your margin for the demons. Uh, yeah, demons by twenty five. Yep. All right. We're uh, on the same page this week. I'm going for Melbourne by 22 points. As I said, uh, they have won consistently against Essendon, but uh, a lot of those results been reasonably close. Maybe this one can be as well. All right. Uh, there's two games on Saturday. Let's move to the uh, menu for Saturday evening. <laughs> 7.50pm Adelaide Oval, Saturday evening. Port Adelaide takes on the Western Bulldogs, uh, intriguing clash this one. Really hard to to come up with a winner here. Their last seven clashes, they have alternated win-loss. Port Adelaide won the clash last year between the two at the same ground by 17 points. The time before that was the 2021 preliminary final, which um, memorably the Bulldogs obliterated the power in by a whopping 71 points. Uh, the Doggies have lost more than they've won at this ground. They've lost seven and won five. Port Adelaide, their record there, pretty good. As you'd expect, they have won eight 
of their last 11 appearances at Adelaide Oval. Uh, I'll talk about personnel shortly, but, uh, well, Port on a high rocket after that last gas win over Sydney, but uh, so too the Doggies, who are starting to crank up into a bit of form. Good wins now in successive weeks over first Brisbane and then the Tigers last week. How do you see this one panning out? Um I see it panning out to be very even. I, I I find it difficult to pick a win. If it was in Melbourne, I'd probably pick the Bulldogs. Playing at home, uh, I think swings it a little bit more Port Adelaide's way. Um, I, last week, win was a really good win from Port Adelaide. I was really disappointed in the commentators last week, and it's the only time I talk about commentators. I didn't know there was a breeze going one way. It was a four-goal win. Yeah. I wasn't told that, and I'm going, oh, gee, Sydney are four goals up, and uh, and you go, gee, they've had a bad second quarter now. It's even at half time. Same thing happened to third quarter. You're not till the end when Ken Hinckley says, I oh, know there's a pretty strong wind going that the other way. You go to the rim again. Why weren't we told that? Well, it's and a good it's, point. And incredibly, Rocket, the commentators for that game were actually at the ground. Yeah, they were at the ground, and Jude Bolton was down on the bench, who would have felt the wind. And we had no, no indication that there's a strong breeze going to the rim again. So, so taking all that into account, I think it was a pretty good win of Port Adelaide. Um, and it's great for them that were able to hang on and win. Uh, but them to be able to fight back and uh, showed some good form. I was, I was worried about their run. but And Sydney's ground obviously suits the Swans. They know how to play it so well. So I think it was a terrific win. So um, I, uh, I'm i just leaning towards them. I think Boke's starting to get... You know, he's had a couple of games back now. And back at the Adelaide Oval, I think... Uh, in a close one, I think they maybe can get up. Now, you've uh, just reminded me of the B in my bonnet. Your, your B in the bonnet about that game was uh, Jude Bolton on the boundary. Well, mine is with whoever directs the broadcast up in Sydney because after oh. after uh, the, the man who or the person who bought you the woman standing up in front of Buddy Franklin's 1,000th goal shot, we get a repeat of the same shot and someone getting in the way of Ollie Florence's shot for goal. What are they on up there, Rocket? And the other thing, I don't know, but the other thing too, that now that I didn't quite know what happened because they didn't really say what happened. Yeah. They didn't show a replay for at least 10 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and then other people I've seen on Facebook are bagging Fox footy for, they must have been watching the Fox broadcast of it. Yeah. Uh, and, um, oh, they didn't show the thing. A typical Fox, they don't take things up. Don't, you know, they don't take commentators up. It's a Channel 7 game, guys. It was a Channel yeah, 7 yeah. game. So I had, had the commentators there. So it's obvious production of the cameras in Sydney that couldn't get that replay. They didn't show the replay until well after the siren. I, I did see your tweets about that. But uh, I, I just thought it was Channel 7, you know, in the spirit of reality TV, which now dominates free-to-air. I thought they were doing one of those choose-your-own-adventure things where <laughs> you got to actually guess, did the kick score? Choose your result. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I don't know what is going on up there. Anyway, yeah, yet again, we digress. Yeah, look, I, I really am having trouble tipping a winner here. Let's talk quickly about personnel. Orazio Fantasia. Uh, is that man injury prone or what? Oh, uh, hasn't it been a disappointing trade? Essendon um, didn't want to lose him, but uh, it certainly hasn't hurt them, that's for sure. Well, he just never plays. Uh, yeah. Expected to resume running later this week, but we're talking... Three to four weeks for him. Xavier Dersma hyperextended his knee against the Swans, but uh, no doubt about his fitness for this week, uh, the power of saying. Uh, as far as the Bulldogs go, well, Alex Keith concussed in that uh, collision with Tom Lynch. So he's out for at least one. A couple more for them. Rourke Smith foot injury. 
no time frame yet on that. Latham Vandermeer, he's got a leg fracture still a couple of weeks away. The big one for the doggies, though, Cody Waitman, who yet to play this uh, season with a groin injury. He is set to be available for the first time this season, and uh, that is a pretty massive return for them. Uh, he'll need to prove his fitness in the next couple of days, but uh, I reckon he'd come straight back into that lineup. Very important part of the Bulldogs' equation. Agree, Rocket? Yes, I do. Um, but I, it'll be a big, uh, a big jump. Uh, round five hasn't played for wouldn't six or seven weeks, so you know they play him. Does he play as a sub? Um, does he come off the bench and just to try and have impact? Young Jones is doing okay. Uh, so I wouldn't expect a lot from Waitman if he if he was playing. All right. Uh, okay, let's uh, gird our loins and uh, nail our colours to the mast on this one. Which way are you going? I'm going to go for the power, seven points. All right. I'm going to go for the Bulldogs. Uh, I just think two wins on the trot. I reckon the Bulldogs too, once they hit a streak of four, they tend to maintain it. So I've got a bit of faith in them. They were my premiership tip. So I feel compelled to back them in this road trip to Adelaide. I'm going for the doggies to win by eight points. Yet again, our margins eerily similar. All right, uh, that is Thursday, Friday, Saturday accounted for. There are three games to be played on Sunday in this historic gather round. Let's talk about them. Adelaide Oval is, not surprisingly, the venue again. For the seventh game on the card in round five, one ten pm Eastern Standard Time, Sunday afternoon, Geelong playing West Coast. Geelong, of course, have broken the ice for 2023 with that big win over Hawthorne on Easter Monday. They're 1-3 now, and that's all the move up from the bottom of the ladder to 13th. West Coast are also 1-3. They are in 16th spot. Geelong have won five of their last six games against West Coast and most of them by pretty healthy margins. In fact, two of the last three have been by 85 points and 97 points. As to the Cats at Adelaide Oval, eight wins, eight losses. West Coast, their record at Adelaide Oval is pretty damn decent, if you don't mind. West Coast have won nine times out of 13 visits to Adelaide Oval and lost on just the four occasions. Uh, you were reasonably impressed with the Eagles early on against Melbourne Rocket. Uh, Geelong, uh, in contrast, fairly unimpressive in the first half. But boy, did we see a different version of the Cats after half time, which, uh, well, makes me think this one could be a little bit ugly. What do you reckon? Yes, I agree. I think, uh, you know, the Cats got their mojo back, there's no doubt. Uh, I think Cameron kept him in the game for the first half. Uh, against Hawks. Hawks were quite impressive, actually, I thought, the first half. I thought the Eagles were impressive. Uh, whether it's the expectations are low of these two sides because they're young or got injuries or whatever the case may be, you know, I wasn't expecting much of the Eagles last week, but they showed a little bit. The one thing I did notice and I did like, which is against uh, Adam Simpson's grain, they did try and move the ball quickly. They probably overpossessed a bit, uh, but I'd rather that and try and score goals rather than try and save the game, uh, chip it out wide, uh, actually defend with ball in hand, which has been the West Coast mantra in the past. And so I, I think it gave gave the young players a chance to uh, show their wares. Um, I thought they were reasonably impressive. They got overrun by 
by pure talent in the end. And uh, and that's always going to happen when you've got a young side. So I think there were some some gains here for the West Coast. Uh, but this week against Geelong, who really have to keep winning. I mean, they've, they've, they've given them that 0-3 start uh, away. So that uh, puts them behind the eight ball. They just need to win this week. Their percentage obviously helped last week. Uh, but now the return of... Uh, form of Dangerfield and a few of the older players. And then, and as we mentioned last week, the support players, Close, Myers, Atkins, they put in the middle after half time, started to show their real you know, their real value and their real talent. And um, Oh, you and forgot one. You forgot one. My boy, Maxi Holmes, Rocket. He was terrific. Holmes as well. And I think Colin Jasney back. I think he's been underestimated. Gave him a bit of solidity down back. Stewart was sensational. So I think uh, Hawkins is starting to starting to show some form slowly but surely. Cameron's playing exceptional footy. So I think the Cats will win this one. Hey, uh, again, I digress. I don't know what's uh, – something's happened to my brain here. But what, what about the Jeremy Cameron collision with the umpire? I was thinking – and, of course, it was the right result and whatever, and it was touchy-feely. And I reckon 10 years ago the climate was such that people would have been coming out demanding he'd be suspended for several weeks for not taking appropriate <laughs> care of the umpire. Yeah, I no, that was just a total accident, wasn't it? Um, well, what do we blame the umpire being in the wrong spot? So yeah. I don't know. He's a boundary umpire. Shouldn't he be behind the boundary? Right? Oh, I don't, I don't. There was a great TikTok video I saw last <laughs> night, though, with their uh, slow motion footage of them embracing played to uh, My Heart Will Go On from Titanic, <laughs> Celine Dion, <laughs> over the top. Uh, look out for that one if you Because it's interesting that the boundary umpire, when he was when he's knocked down, he put his arms up like a koala, like a koala to his mum and just put his arms around, around her neck to drag him up. Oh, beautiful moment. Who says there aren't beautiful moments in uh, in footy? Uh, West Coast uh, seem to have a perpetually long injury list. I'm just having a look at it now. Luke Shuey still probably a couple of weeks away with uh, the obligatory Luke Shuey hamstring injury. Uh, ditto Jeremy McGovern. Boys, they got some dodgy hamstrings. Uh, Nick Natanui, Achilles injury. No prognosis on his return. Liam Ryan, hamstring for him as well. And uh, how about this one? Dom Sheed, no guarantee to return after suffering a fractured larynx at training last week. So still some possibility, apparently, that he might play. No possibility he'll be taking part in karaoke this week (laughs) after the game. He might be talking to his teammates. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or he's going to be singing Joe Cocker or something (laughs) uh, with a slightly altered voice. No, we we don't need to make light of that. That sounds like a pretty nasty little injury. Um, Yeah, I reckon uh, all systems go for the Cats. And, uh, boy, I think this one could be very ugly indeed. They just had that – boy, did they flick the switch? I mean, sometimes Mm. sides sort of gradually come back into form, but they just went bang. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah, you, you could tell five. I could tell five minutes into the third quarter they lifted their intensity, but I also could tell Hawthorne, being a young side, the first half their pressure was terrific, but I noticed their players weren't putting pressure on anymore. They just weren't attacking the the guy with the football, and to me that was a young team that was stunned by the uh, by the level of ferocity uh, that you know Geelong were going at the ball, and it was like, well, what do we do here? Instead of maintaining their own effort, they, their effort dropped away, and that was just loud. Allow the cats an easy path. All right. Uh, well, not much doubt what we think is going to happen here. Let's uh, let's just uh, hitch our colours to the mast on the margin. What do you reckon? Uh, cats by thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yeah, I'm going a little bit more expansive for me. I'm going for forty-two points to Geelong. 
Uh, all right, that one is at Adelaide Oval. The second game on the Sunday card is uh, not too far down the road at Norwood Oval. 3.20pm uh, Norwood Oval. I think it's called the Parade, isn't it, Rocket? It is it? at the Parade. That's the name of the street. Yeah, yeah the, so the, the, uh, the Red Legs. Uh, actually, know a lot of people over here barrack for the Red Legs. Patrick Keane from the AFL, Roger Vaughan, journalist extraordinaire, Angela Pippos. Former former journalist extraordinaire, now advisor to uh, to federal parliamentarians, uh, all big Norwood fans. Um, geez, I'm talking some rubbish today. Uh, GWS are taking on Hawthorne at 3:20 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. The Giants disappointing so far. I know you're you're a big rap for them, Rocket, but they've been pretty ordinary. One win, three losses, and they're in fifteenth. And the Hawks, well, struggling, as expected. Also one win, three losses. They are last on the ladder. That is virtue of the size of those losses, which uh, have been by 59 points, 81 points, and 82 points. Head-to-head, the Hawks narrowly in front on the uh, win-loss ledger. Six wins against the Giants, five losses, and one draw down in Tassie a few years back. Well, pretty disappointing, both of these sides. Last week, of course, the Hawks overrun in the second half. And GWS, after looking, well, they were 19 points up against Essen at one stage and probably looking the better side, to be honest, for most of the first three quarters. But uh, Essen and far superior when it mattered. Uh, can they redeem themselves in this one, Rocket? That's a good question. I, I must admit, I've been really disappointed when I was looking. I didn't see the game at all last week, but uh, when I was looking at the scores and they had three goals up, I was... Pleasantly surprised and, and pleased with that because you know, I think they've I think they've actually got a lot of talent. But their one three record doesn't uh, doesn't all go well. And I saw Adam Kingsley give them a bit of a touch up at three quarter time, and they probably deserved it. So they, um, with the talent they've got, they should have been able to do better last week. They should be able to win this game with the talent differential between the two teams. You know, Whitfield, Kelly, Canelio, Toby Green. Um, these type of players, they, they should be able to win this game. But I'm not totally convinced. So I think the Hawks will bounce back. I know people are so down the Hawth. I see a lot of Hawthorne supporters are, are up in arms at the moment where they're headed. But I thought their first half was terrific last week. They showed, I, I if I was uh, dispassionately looking back, I'd say there's a lot, there's not more positives and negatives per se, but I think there was a lot to be gained. A lot to you could see the future. I reckon you could see the future in the in the first half. Um, what happens, and we mentioned this before the season started, when you get rid of so much experience, when the hard times come, and that's why they've got belted in three games, it just the backside falls out of it. The floor falls out of the whole thing. Players don't know. You could see players who played well the first half just didn't even know how to put pressure on. They just they fumbled a lot more. Uh, they expected to lose. They expected the Geelong to win the ball. They expected to turn over themselves. So, and I've I've coached teams and I've played in teams like that. So, that's it, it been a, I could feel, but they are a lot more inexperienced than any of the other teams that I've been involved with. And I, you could see it was going to happen, and it was just continued to happen for the last. I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, their their average games per player across that list has fallen from sixty something to forty something. That is a it's a massive, massive drop. drop. They're one of the most inexperienced lists we've ever seen. So. Uh, put your coaching hat on. How does Sam Mitchell address that? How do, what does he say to them when they come in last week after being smashed by Geelong in that second half? How does he keep them up? I think the the way do we is just acknowledge it and say, without going crooked, just say, listen, that second half, 
was not acceptable. Now, we've got to be better than that, even if we are young. So we've got to learn from that and what we do in those situations. So I would think the coachings have got to be, you don't address it then, during the week, what we do when the teams get a run on. That's the thing we've got to learn. So the ex- more professional experienced sides know how to stem the flow. They don't know how to do that. And that's what experience gives you. And that's what they're looking for, the experience. And the really unexperienced one is Luke Bruce is in a forward pocket. So they haven't got a lot of experience around the middle of the ground between the arcs to be able to, to um, force a ball up, force stoppage, slow the game down, uh, take the heat out of it. They're still trying to play expansive footy. So maybe from a coaching point of view, that they need to slow the game down as well. Just don't take the game on all the time. Um, and... But one thing that he would be disappointed in, they they dropped away in their in their pressure. Their pressure rating the first half was terrific. That doesn't take talent. That doesn't. That's only a mindset. And I think what's happened, their confidence levels fell through the floor, as I said before. So that mentally, that takes them away from putting pressure on. They're worried about so many other things instead of just focus on that. Well, speaking about that pressure and effort, we've t- there seems to be a lot of talk about effort based coaching, a la Ross Lyon with St Kilda. But it is at a premium this year, and I'm looking at sides like, well, Gold Coast for one, but GWS last week, classic example to me, there's not sufficient effort there, and that's what Adam Kingsley's getting shirty about because, you know, were GWS to be applying the sort of levels of pressure consistently we're seeing from the likes of St Kilda or even Hawthorne that first half, there's no doubt their results would be better than 1-3, surely. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And I think... You know, some senior players over my time, oh, why do you coach effort all the time? Why don't we just concentrate on skills? And I said, well, effort's the thing that fluctuates the most. That's the thing that's up and down. You, you don't lose your skill. So if you bring effort um, consistently, then it'll give you a chance for your skills to shine. But if you don't bring effort, you just rely on really, it's less than a 50-50 chance because you're relying on someone else to give the ball to you. Because you're not going to win it because you don't you don't try hard enough and you're not and you're not getting the ball back off the opposition. So we've got to you've got to coach effort as a consistency. So that's that's a non-negotiable. That's what you've got to get, but you've got to drive that because we are human and we fall away in that. How, how do you very quickly, how do you coach effort? What, what are the levers you pull to produce greater effort? Well, 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 you measure it in your tackles and your chases and all that sort of thing. You're obviously in a review process, but you say, this is a non-negotiable. This is the way we defend. This is what I expect. Uh, if the opposition have got the ball and you're within five, 10 metres, you've got to close the space. You run as hard as you can to put pressure on him. You don't scarecrow. You don't drop away. Um, you make your tackle stick. Um, you chase when you can. And also without the ball, I saw a clip last week of St Kilda against the Gold Coast. And they made pointed on the on the that on the on the TV that Gold Coast got a free kick on the wing, but there were six St Kilda players back inside defensive fifty before before any any um, Gold Coast players. So therefore, their work rate and their effort to get back, but that comes from clarity of the coaching. This is what we expect you to do. This is what we want from you. So we're not going to measure you in handballs and kicks and marks. That'll come on the back of your talent, but. This is what you're expecting. This is your non-negotiable. This is your one percenters. If you don't bring that, you're putting your at risk you being in the team. Fascinating stuff. All right, let's uh, let's get a tip and a margin. Yeah, up in the air. Um, I think the Hawks will bounce back, but I still think there's just enough talent from the from the GWS. I've been disappointed with them, but I'll still back them one more week. Uh, Fifteen points. 
All right. Uh, yeah, I reckon they can win by a bit more than that. I'm going for GWS by 30 points, uh, which leaves one game in round five, and it's a big one. Final game of the gather round is at 4.50 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Adelaide Oval, and is between Collingwood and St Kilda. Uh, Both these sides travelling very well. The Pies, their first setback last week uh, against Brisbane, they are 3-1 and and in fifth spot on the ladder. And the Saints are on top with four wins, zero losses. Great start to the season for them under Ross Lyon. How do these two sides go against each other? Well, the Pies have won 10 of the last 13 meetings between these two since the 2010 Grand Final and uh, beat the Saints again in round one last year. That was the last time they played over a season ago. St Kilda at Adelaide Oval have won three of their last four. Pretty good recent record after losing the first 10 times they played at the venue. Collingwood at Adelaide Oval are five and four but they have won their last five times there after losing the first four. So two sides which in recent times have had a liking for this venue. They've both been playing great footy, uh, fantastic test for the Saints and good test for the Pies too after that reversal up at the Gabba. This should be a cracker, Rocket. It should be, mate. It's uh, interesting playing the last the last game of the round at uh, 10 to 5 uh, local Melbourne time. So, but, it, but it should be a good game. Um, I think uh, we mentioned early in the season that the biggest question mark over Collingwood was going to be their ruck situation if they lost rucks. And last week, McInerney dominated. He grabbed the ball out of the ruck. He got forward momentum at all all the time. So they're, they're going to miss rucks. And they McStay hasn't been doing exceptionally well as a forward, but it gives them a bit of structure and allows my check to get off the chain a bit. So he's going into the ruck. Brantford's gone into the ruck. Uh, they're, they're, it's just makeshift, and they're losing their structure. So it does hurt them. And uh, and people say, oh, rucks are overrated. Well, um, this is an example of not having any. Um, that does hurt your team. I still think that they can win this game. I think uh, St Kilda, I saw them last week against the Suns, and they were okay early, and then they were, obviously the Suns dropped away. They couldn't they couldn't maintain the rage against the pressure that St Kilda were able to bring. But St Kilda still made a lot of errors, a lot of skill errors, which is going to – now, I mean, they're still a young side and they've got a lot of players out. So I think if they make those errors again, Collingwood are going to pounce. Collingwood score on turnover, allow the Dacos to run. I reckon he'll get tagged. Ross Lyon will tag him uh, with a player who can go with him in the middle. Um, he, he'll get sat on. Uh, so, so there'll be the matchups that Ross Lyon will go be able to shut down some players. So they'll they'll have to find some drive from other areas. But players like Pendlebury gets off the chain now. The Dacos is playing well. Um, he he's in really good form. So I think Marshall is a very good ruck, but I don't think he's going to dominate um, like uh, other ruckmen can do. Um, so I, I think. Collingwood can win in a nutshell. Sorry, a long, long-winded say that Collingwood well, can win. But you mentioned a key, a key player in this game probably is Rowan Marshall. I mean, McInerney ended up being a pretty big factor for Brisbane, uh, yes. given Collingwood's lack of ruckman. I mean, Marshall really has to pull out a big one if if the Saints are to win, doesn't he? No, he does. He, he has to dominate um, the hitouts, but hitouts to advantage, just not the hitouts. So Collingwood will set up for losses. Um, but it didn't it didn't really help them last week. I, I thought uh, I thought uh, Neil and these players around at ground level Ashcroft and that were very good. Um, so Marshall has to do that and push forward and be able to be able to hurt them. 
uh, be able to be a target for them um, in between the arcs, be able to kick to him and win the ball. We, you know, he can't just end up with eight or nine possessions. He's got to be a twenty-possession game and and win most of the hitouts. And if he do, if he does that, it gives him a chance. It's a fascinating few weeks for the Saints because they've set themselves up well. Challenging few weeks. They've got Collingwood. I think pretty sure it might be Geelong and Port after that as well. But the cavalry is uh, is on the way back now. Membry. Uh, an outside chance to play even this week, apparently. Needs to prove his fitness later in the week. Um, Jack Steele might be available next weekend. And and Zach Jones now two to three weeks away. and uh, He's had an Achilles injury, but he can give them value as well. So they've done very well with, uh, you know, a lower profile lineup. And, and now some of the bigger names starting to come back. If they could just eke out one or two more wins... Uh, they might be in a, a terrific position. Another reason why this game is such a a great test for them. Um, gee, I, I I do rate the Pies though. They have played such good footy at their best. Yeah, pretty disappointing against Brisbane, but you can't play to uh, the sort of levels they were every game this season. Uh, the ruck is an issue, no doubt about that. But as you say, um, Craig McRae, pretty smart man. I think they'll know how to set up to a. A losing ruck contest and uh, compensate appropriately. Um, I reckon they're going to get the job done. The pies. I think the Saints will give a pretty good account of themselves in what will no doubt be uh, well, not a slog fest, but I think uh, Ross is going to try and manufacture a pretty low scoring contest, isn't he, Rocket? Yep. You're going to be surprised if it's a shootout with Ross Lyon as one of the coaches. Yeah, and I think their defence. You know, their, obviously defence is an effort as most uh, is a part of his game plan. But I think they'll change the defensive setup because of the rebound off halfback for for Collingwood with Crisp and um, Dacos, as we mentioned before, Maynard, and they generate a lot of run out of them, a lot of scores. So it will set his forward line up to be able to put some pressure on, but also the players in the midfield to be able to block that entry back into the back into the centre square, be able to slow them down. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I think they'll be able to shut that down. Uh, but I think Collingwood will get enough looks at it. I think uh, St Kilda will make enough mistakes with the ball in hand. I know they play the boundary, the most boundary-played side in the competition. That's, again, defensive measure. But I think uh, I think the Pies will get the job done. Uh, margin, please. Uh, not a big margin, but I think they can win by 15 points. 15 points, and once again, we're on the same page. I'm going for Collingwood to win this one by 14 points. Uh, that is all nine games in the round, so we differ on Richmond and Sydney. You're going for the Swans. I'm going for the Tigers. Uh, Bulldogs and Port, you're going for the Power. I'm going for the Doggies. And uh, that's it. Two different. Uh, I haven't had a look at our running tallies. I'm too scared to, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I got six last week, so I was happy with that. Oh, did you? I think you needed it after about two or three. I got three the week before. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> hopefully we're going to, uh, as the season progresses, ease into our tipping form in the same manner to long-term things around against Hawthorne. <laughs> we're going to turn our tipping form around. So that's the plan anyway. Uh, uh, thanks again, Rocket. Great stuff as per usual. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Gather round. Uh, you're going to just pull up a, a pew on the couch with a, a cheeky red and watch all the games, Rocket. What's yes, the- mate? I'll gather around the fire and um, have a <laughs> and watch a few of the games. Yes, yeah, that's the irony of it, isn't it? It's called yeah. gather round, but I think it's probably mostly designed for people to gather around their TV set and yeah. uh, 
give the TV station gather the family around and yeah, gather the family around and make them watch nine games of (laughs) AFL footy. (laughs) That'll make you popular with the missus. Um, All right, uh, thanks a lot, everyone, and I hope your team has a good weekend. We'll speak to you next week.